When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, James, thank you for joining me on this very special podcast because today we're going to be, well, we're going to be diving deep into Toyotas. Cool. Hey, Roman. Glad to be here. This is uh, for all of you guys who don't know James. He uh, is the founder of the Colorado FJ Club, one of the founders. One of the founders, yeah. Yes. Uh, and he is uh, probably the foremost, I'm gonna, is this fair to say, expert on off-roading Toyotas? I wouldn't say nationally. <laughs> oh, locally. Um, my yeah, my, my my experience. Kind of the kind of the title I take for the club is I'm the trail guru. Um, I moved here as I as we talked about in previous videos. I moved here 11 years ago for off roading. My first year here, I, I was in the mountains 26 weeks. Hey guys, before we get into today's podcast, let me introduce you to Dirt Legal. Dirt Legal helps owners of dirt bikes, ATVs, and UTVs acquire a state issued street legal license plate that allows these off-roaders to be driven on the street. So no more need to waste time loading up your truck or trailer, driving it to the trailhead, and then unloading it. Now you can simply ride or drive straight to the trail. Here's how it works. Send Dirt Legal your bikes or UTB's information. Dirt Legal then handles the paperwork with the DMV, all for a few hundred bucks. And at the end of the process, you'll receive a new title and a street legal license plate, an updated title in the mail. Simple, right? To learn more about how Dirt Legal can make your off-roading rig street legal, go to dirtlegal.com. That's dirtlegal.com. This year, spend less time loading and unloading all of your off-road toys and more time on the trail. Um, I have run pretty much every named trail of substance in the state. Um, some of the trails you do once, I don't ever need to do that trail again. Other trails I do every year, just that you find the ones that are, that are good. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done pretty much every name trail in the state and I have a little bit of a, a terrible with names and terrible with faces. I have a photographic memory for trails. Like if you show me an obstacle and this is a fairly famous spot, you know, what we've got here on the video is a fairly famous spot, but I see pictures of trails. Imaging? Imaging. Yeah. That's the rock and imaging. But I, I see pictures of somebody doing an obstacle on a trail, and I go, that's the third obstacle on such and such trail, da, da, da. and everybody's like, wow, how, how did you know? I just have a memory for it. So uh, if you guys are fans of TFL, you'll note uh, that we did a video, maybe it was two years ago now, where it was a buyer's yeah. guide for the FJ Cruiser, mm -hmm. uh, where we featured your forerunner, which is up here yep. on the rock. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, we talked about everything to do with FJ. So in this podcast, guys, we're going to be talking about um, both, not just the FJ, but of course the Forerunner, and mm -hmm. we'll get into the new Tundra as well. Uh, so if you love Toyota and you love off-roading, uh, this is going to be like a love letter yeah. out to you guys. Yeah. But before we get into all that, I got to say, James, um, I was there not that long ago, mm -hmm. and I was terrified to drive up on it, and not back up on it, right. drive up on it, because... 
for those of you who are watching this, you'll see James's foreigner up on a rock, but what you don't see is that there's probably a thousand foot drop. The, the dr- it's a couple hundred feet. I, top of the world in Moab is a lot more. Right. Um, yeah. But it's it's still enough to still enough to squish you at the bottom. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. when you drive up there. Uh, you get this funny feeling, you know, in your gut. Yes. And it starts to tingle. And, and part of it is, like, you want to floor the accelerator because you want you want to just go, like, thumb on Louisa. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And part of it is, like, I want to live, so I don't yeah. want to thumb on Louisa. Yeah. So so I actually didn't even drive up there because I was like, I don't want to do this. But you backed up there. I backed up there. So I, I And I have to give this credit to my friend Max, um, and I'll have to tell Max to listen to this so he'll get credit for it. Um, the, the traditional photo here is the vehicle pulled out forwards and you can see the back of the vehicle and people, people pull out forwards and then take the photo. My friend Max backed his FJ onto it and had just the perfect clouds that day. And it always seemed to me to be the better photo backing out onto it. Um, a little side story and what I was telling Tommy before, the first time I actually met you guys was, um, was before that video we did about your FJ, which... You guys were on a media press run for the 2019 TRD Pros. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. were. In t- I was your trail leader for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if and if you watch that video, if you go back and watch that video, there's a couple of clips. I'm wearing a green shirt. I remember. There's a and a hat, and there's a couple of clips where you can see me. I was spotting all the the factory trucks out onto that rock, and I had a I had a fun interaction with. Um, I had a fun interaction with the the photo guy that was on there. I had made the suggestion. It was like, hey, if you've ever seen people back out onto this rock. It's like the it's like the best shot, and he was like, "Yeah, we're good," and then he pulls all the factory trucks out there, face out, you know, <clears throat> and then all those guys leave, and then everybody else that was in the rest of the group, because you guys went and did lunch and tell you right after that, everybody else that was in the group, I backed my truck out, and they were like, "We want to take that picture." Yeah, it's, so, it's yeah. a spectacular yeah. uh, location, yeah. uh, and uh, like you say, outside the top of the world, where it's a sheer drop. Yeah, this is, but this is both of them will kill you. Yeah, so I, I you're not going to survive going over. Oh no, 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 no. and and the funny part is, I stand. So if you can see, there's a little right right on the uh, passenger front tire. There's like a little notch there. Yeah. So I spot people out onto that rock when I'm not pulling my own truck out there, and I was telling Tommy before. I'm getting that feeling just I, just looking at yeah, this picture. Yeah, I I don't. It's funny because I offer. I don't like heights. Yeah. And, and when I'm walking out there to spot people, I never take a step backwards. If, if I'm standing where I'm at, I'm telling you, come on, right? I'm guiding you this way or that. I say, stop. I turn around 180 degrees. I walk forward to where I need to be. I turn back around. <laughs> Just walk. Then, okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, so, I'm so worried that, the, that I'm, that'll be the last trail I ever do. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's talk uh, trucks and cars. So let, okay. let's start. Well, we'll do this. We'll start with the FJ mm-hmm. because obviously um, that's near and dear to your heart. And then we'll transition over to the Forerunner, uh, which is, you know, basically an FJ in – uh, four under clothing, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll end up with the old and new Tundra. So cool. if you guys are out there and thinking about buying any of these, uh, uh, we'll talk values, we'll talk uh, upgrades, uh, we'll talk performance. So we're going to go deep into the Toyota world. So let's start with the FJ. The FJ was manufactured, I believe, from uh, 2007 to 2014. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, my knowledge is limited, so I'll let you fill in the holes. Sure. Uh, and... Uh, Based on the same platform as the Forerunner. Correct. Uh, yeah. uh, and it's still in production in places like the Middle East. Yeah, they still sell in the Middle East. Yeah, Dubai and yeah. And it was designed here in California at the Cali Studios. I think that's right. We had um, on our Colorado FJ Cruisers Facebook page, um, we had one of the designers uh, on there, Jinwon Kin, who, um, yeah, he's had, had spoke about that. But yeah, he, he lives here, I think. Yeah. So, uh, so it was des- I'm pretty sure it was designed at Calty. Um, and what they did was they infused... What is basically, you know, a, a very kind of um, 
traditional FJ40 uh, retro. Yeah, with a, with yeah. A, with a retro look, uh, and made it cool and yeah. badass. Yeah. Uh, and then for some mysterious reason, they pulled the plug just like. Nissan did with the Xterra yeah, right. right before right. like the whole overlanding over, right. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, took off right, right. Uh, which is which is which is typical Toyota. Right. Um, so, what's the magic in the FJ? Um, I, it's the first purpose-built off-roader, and, and what I mean purpose-built, I mean they can all obviously they can right. all off-road, but you know the shortest wheelbase, the best approach and departure angles, um, you know really. You know the the best off roader that Toyota has made, um, you know in, in a in a long time. I mean, certainly the Land Cruisers are the Land Cruisers are fantastic vehicles and they go all around the world and that stuff. But for, you know, for for just like the, the closest thing to a two door Jeep, basically uh, is the FJ, and and that's been the case for a long time. Um, certainly, I, I would never. A lot of people call them rare. I would never call them rare. Um, you know the sales numbers. I mean, you're talking nearly 230,000 vehicles over that span. And most of them are the 20, the 2008s, I think, right? Yeah. Usually what I've found is that the first year a vehicle comes out is when they sell the most. Right. And then by like 2014, they were maybe down to like, I want to say like 17,000 13 units. or 14,000 a year. No, 13 yeah. or 14, yeah. yeah. The, the first three years were half of all the FJ sales. Yeah. Um, so 50, 50 to 55,000 the first two years, and then 28,000. And then after that, every year after that was 13 to 14,000, like clockwork. Um, when I first came into the scene, I had a 2011. Uh, when I first came into the scene, it didn't make sense to go try to buy one that was two or three years old that had some miles on it. Like it was the, the cost difference was marginal. To where we would tell people, just go buy a new one. Like, yeah. There's no point to get one with a little bit of miles, um, and, and that was that was even then. And and I was giving out this advice constantly of you know just go to the dealer and buy one you know or if you're gonna if you're gonna try to find one do this do that. When they discontinued in 14, then the demand almost immediately just everybody was like, oh, I gotta get one. Um, now that I can't have one, I right, gotta get one. Right. And the funny thing, you know, even even back then, I mean, it was still the number one for the last. Three or four years, Kelly Blue Book does a thing where they do um, top resale value. It was the number one resale value vehicle for like the last three years that it was made. And then you go to now. I mean, they're they're more they're more now than they ever were new. Yeah, I think I think one just sold a Bring a Trailer for like eighty thousand. Eighty one five, yeah, yeah. yeah it had sixty three miles. Yeah. Think, yeah, which is and it wasn't even a Trail Teams. So that's the crazy part. Yeah, if it was a if it was a special edition truck, that thing's going six. So let's years. let's talk about kind of the changes of to the to the truck and okay. what makes it iconic. So I think what makes it iconic is they did a lot of really cool. Um, not just retro design, so it doesn't just harken back to the old FJ, but mm. they did the clam-style doors, right? right. Uh, they did the white roof, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the three wipers. Uh, they did the inclinometer and the right. little... Uh, what are the... What are the little... There's a there's an inclinometer. Yeah. There's a direction directional yeah, the gauge compass, on yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and, and the funny thing about the inclinometer is you get people that sometimes they'll do something where when you go past 30 degrees, the 40-degree mark will be something... Profane. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no. I, interestingly enough, um, that the only vehicle that you know, I mean, they they could put that in the forerunner. It'd be a great little add-on. But it was just something unique that they did for the FJ. That's really cool. And uh, and, and then the running gear, of course, and the um, transmission and the engine were straight out of the forerunner. Straight out of the forerunner. Same four-liter yeah. V6 yeah. Um, as the forerunner. Same five-speed automatic as the forerunner. Um, the the main difference on the FJ, you could get a manual. It was a six-speed manual, um, which also changed the whole system to full-time all-wheel drive rather than too high, four high, like what you get in an automatic FJ um, or an automatic 4Runner. Um, the, the manuals, 
Um, obviously, it's a slow, boxy vehicle, so it's not, you know, doesn't make it any more sporty. But it's a better vehicle for, bad, for bad weather. You know, as you know, in the bad weather here, if you have a vehicle that's too high for high, you're always waiting until you start slipping before you put it in four high, where the manual FJ just has all the traction all the time. And then, uh, of course, they gave it, uh, some of them you could get option out with a locking rear diff, yep. which I, I suspect are the ones that are more sought after now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then um, they also did like an up up um, upscale-ish uh, sound system, right, where you can get a, a bass, JBL. a yeah, JBL, JBL thumper yeah. in the back. Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite actual touch design-wise was that they color matched the exterior to like these plastic panels on the inside. So if you got a yeah. yellow one, you had yellow interior. Yeah. Matching, and then the seats were very basic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it had this big kind of uh, almost baseball-like shifter, which is pretty cool, yeah. um, and relatively uh, you know simple infotainment. You mm-hmm. know, radio. I think toward the end, like I think ours had a. I think I think they got rid of the CD player. I think it had Bluetooth at the end mm-hmm. of it. At the yeah, end they of had the Bluetooth run. for a while. Yeah. Um, they never. It was. It was kind of seen as a down market forerunner. So Toyota intentionally made choices to make it less than a forerunner. So no factory sunroof, no factory leather, uh, no factory heated seats, no factory nav. Um, it was very much kind of the kind of the rougher, younger brother of the forerunner. And in that way, you know, if you want some more of the creature comforts, you you end up in a forerunner versus an FJ. And then the ones that people really wanted were the trails trail teams. Yeah. Tell me about those. What did for, what did Toyota do? To sure. Kind of- so um, <clears throat> so the the trail teams was for every year was largely an appearance package. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were mechanically the same as any of the rest of them. So locking rear diffs. Um, all the same traction stuff. Um, you get a little bit of lift and, and a little bit of different wheels and tires, but those, you can replicate all that in the aftermarket. Um, the main thing from an appearance perspective was on the stock FJ, um, you got a gray bezel, gray like center, center grill bezel. You got gray corners on the bumpers. You got gray mirrors. You got gray door handles. Um, you got the white roof. The trail teams, uh, all of that stuff, is now black, like everything else on the outside of the truck. So a trail team's truck typically is two colors, black from all the plastics, and then whatever the color is of the truck with a matching color roof. So that the entire truck is one color painted and then black. And it's it's just a simpler, just a simpler, better looking version of the truck versus the non-trail teams was more of the throwback with the right with the white roof like on the FJ40. Um, so, but, so, so what year is your favorite? Is there? Uh, mine was a 2011, yeah. and I, I'm a little biased. It, it's, um, you know, as you can see in the photo here, you know, a lot of Colorado is green. Some of it's gray yeah, too. So but, I had that army green. Yeah, I had yeah. I had the army green in 2011. Yeah. Um, I liked that it was not to say that it was camouflage, but I liked that it blended in. Um, the first year of Trail Teams 2007 uh, wasn't even, it was called a TRD, not a Trail Teams. That was black. Uh, white was 2008. 2009, they didn't do a Trail Teams. 2010 was like a sandstorm, like a like a tan color that looks really good somewhere, you know, desert, Moab kind of place. Um, 2012 was red, so not this exact red. It was a non-metallic red. Not 20- Barcelona red, right? Because um, Barcelona radi- red is I think it was radiant. radiant. Barcelona radiant red is a different color. Yeah, I think this one actually, I think our I think our fur in here is Barcelona, Barcelona red. red. Yeah. It looks like it, yeah. yeah. Um, 2013 was a cement gray color, mm-hmm. and then 2014 was what they call heritage blue. And how much of a premium do they carry right now? In the used market, um, for auction, so an auction quality, like a collector quality vehicle, um, it's substantial. Um, 5,000, 10,000? 
for a very low miles yeah. example, more more than that. Really? Um, what you're what you're seeing is kind of low miles. So I mean, in in the three digit range, right? Hundreds of miles. You're seeing these cars that are these these FJs that are going in the 50s to 60s at collector uh, at, at kind of gr- collector grades. Where uh, Jerry Seinfeld's um, uh, 2014 trail teams um, sold for his had 6,000 miles. It sold for I think it was 67 thousand dollars. So substantially more miles, but you know with his name attached to it, but then also uh, the color there. But um, no, the the hardest ones, the hardest FJs to find. Like if somebody came to me today and they really wanted to challenge me, they would say, "I want a I want a 14 Trail Teams manual." Hmm. And that's the manuals were. We don't we don't know the exact number. I think it's around 10 percent um, nationally. Anywhere between six and seven percent of FJs for sale at any time nationally are manuals. Um, I assume Toyota likes round numbers, so I just round that up to ten. Okay. Um, but but the manuals, the manual trail teams cars are hard to find because the the trail teams were about twenty five hundred trucks a year, and then if the manuals were ten percent of that, that's about two hundred and fifty. So that a lot. Yeah. So yeah. the manuals don't really come up for sale very often. And we'll talk about valleys in a second, uh, but let's talk about kind of we've talked about the upside. So let's talk about the part where. Um, you know, there are issues. So for me, the biggest issue with the FJ is they're thirsty, right? That, that four liter is just a thirsty engine. I mean, yep. you'll be lucky to break into the double digits. No, that's, that's not true. Into 20, the 20s, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Stock stock yeah. on the highway, you're lucky to get 2021. 20, yeah, you'll be yeah. lucky. You'll probably yeah. more like 16 to 18. Yeah, yeah. my, my truck here is so with a little bit of lift. The, yeah. bumper, the bumper exposes the front tires for a little bit of wind resistance to those tires. I'm... Normal driving around, I'm getting 16 all day long. And then there are uh, rust issues, frame rust issues, right? Um, a little I, bit. So the not like the not like the earlier trucks. I actually I actually got fussed at when we did that when we did that video last. Yeah. Um, so it's, Toyota had famous rust issues. They had a in treatment Tacoma, problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Tacoma and the Tundra in the, in the early 2000s. Um, the thing is, these trucks. If you if you drive this in salt water on the beach, yeah. or if you live in Ohio where they salt the roads, sure. These trucks will rust. Like any, like any vehicle will rust, right? Anything made out of steel will rust. Um, so then you treat it and you coat it and you make sure you take care of it and all that stuff. Um, so I wouldn't say for a truck that's lived, lived somewhere like Colorado its whole life where it's fairly dry, your truck that's out in the garage, right? Um, you know, you've got on the frame, on the welds, you've got a little bit of just surface rust that's visible there. Um, but in terms of like chronic rusting issues, it's something to check for. It's not something that I would say... You know, um, you can't, um, don't buy any FJ ever because they all rust. Um, if you get one from a place that doesn't use salt on the roads or you don't know, you don't live near the ocean, they're perfectly fine. Um, you do see a substantial number of them that do have rust issues because it is a four-wheel drive vehicle that people use in bad weather where they salt the roads. Um, the two ways that I typically spot rust on a vehicle, if you, you see the underhood photo, right, people pop the hood. There are small metal parts under the hood that will rust near the ocean. So if you have like salty air, sure. so you can spot those things and go, oh, this, this vehicle lived near the ocean because it had under the hood. You know, the salt from the road isn't getting up under the hood and doing all of this. And then you get the pictures underneath. And it usually just takes, if you can get a picture of each of the side, the two frame rails, and then the front suspension from like the corner, you can see, um, you can see whether or not. The, the truck's got rust. Um, I've seen really, really bad examples where it's rusted all the way through and the vehicle's not safe to drive. Um, and then I've seen examples, my own truck, um, that just, you know, lived here its whole life and just had a little bit of surface rust and it wasn't worth, it, worth any concern. So um, in terms of optional 
things you could get on them. Uh, you mm -hmm. can get the TRD exhaust, I believe, right? That was one yeah, of the options. Yeah, catback catback exhaust. Yeah, um, that I came think, from the factory. You could get those, right? I think I think it was included on some of the trail teams packages. Yeah, they had the but, TRD. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it was a pretty cheap, and I actually have the same exhaust on my Forerunner. Um, it was a pretty cheap upgrade. I think it was like three hundred fifty or four hundred dollars, and mm. it's a catback exhaust, a couple of hangers, a couple of bolts. Sounds good. Off and on, it does sound good. The nice part too, and you can't see in this photo of my Forerunner, but the nice part is rather than exit the rear and get crushed on the bumper if you drop onto something it exits behind the passenger rear tire yep so it's kind of in that kind of in that triangle where, where it's, it's yeah where the, the tire is going to go over the right. rock or whatever right. it is yeah right um uh, ours so we have one for those of you who aren't um aware we have one that we bought about two years ago uh it's that kind of uh gray color mm -hmm. uh, uh and it had fifty three thousand miles on it and two years ago we paid about we paid the market which was thirty three thousand yeah, yeah thirty three thousand yeah. something yeah. you paid it. below market if i remember you right think? yeah you got you got a great deal yeah and it's on that it's on that video, video yeah it was yeah. like thirty three five i think we yeah paid for i think it. yours was i think i said at the time yours was the cheapest for its for its year and miles of anything comparable within like 500 miles so you got a really good deal on it back then and the only thing that we did to it uh is it didn't have that uh, baja style roof rack you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. uh, so i found one of those i just thought they're cool yeah uh feels like you should have one so i found one i think i paid 100 and 100 bucks for it yeah they're not they're you know they're out there and yeah. then you know just put it on the roof it just yeah. fit it came off of an fj yeah uh, but a lot of people um uh, especially with like with the Jeep world, customizer. So you, you did a lift on yours. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, there, there was a whole uh, aftermarket of parts that you could do for it. Right. Um, and um, kind of talk to me about like, you know, what, what are the typical uh, upgrades that people would do themselves? Sure. Um, so that truck, and, and this is true for the 4Runner as well, yeah. the sweet spot for the lift on these trucks is a three inch lift, two and a half to three inch lift, and 33 inch tires. Um, and for Colorado, I have done every trail easier than Blanca Peak, which it, back when trail damage was a thing, Blanca was like number 13, number 12 hardest trails in the state. And out of that 12 or 13 trails, nine of them are buggy trails, two miles or less, like you're going out there for, for body damage. So it, you, you can really do a lot in this state. Again, my experience is in Colorado, not everywhere, but you can really do a lot of the trails here just with a three inch lift, 33 inch tires. And, and some armor. Where the problem comes trying to go bigger than three inches, um, three inches and 33s, two problems. First off, it's an independent front suspension vehicle. So you're ultimately limited by how much displacement can you have between the differential side of the front CV axle and the axle side. I right? can hear all the Wrangler guys and gals out there. Right. Solid <laughs> axles. Right. right. Well, Dude. And the funny thing, that's why that's why the Land Cruiser 80. The Hold last, my beer. Yeah. Well, the, the last FJ80 Land Cruiser, that was the last solid axle Toyota off-roader you could buy. So the values on, on Land Cruiser 80s are crazy precisely because of that. Now they have a, t they have a terrible power, power, um, powertrain. It's, a, it's an inline V6 with, or sorry, it's an inline straight six with, I don't know, low 200s of horsepower or something, but it's a heavy vehicle, but you can lift them to the moon. You can put huge tires on them. Uh, with these, the the CV axles, the independent front suspension limits what you can do. You can drop the differential if you need to. Um, the most common six inch lift on these has all these spacers and extenders and things that just... really going to mess with the yeah, geometry and, of that front suspension. Yeah, and yeah. some of the stuff to do that six inch lift is very difficult to undo. 
Mm. So it's one thing you put a three inch lift on, you don't like your lift, put another three inch lift on. It's another thing to buy one with a six inch lift and then try to go back to a three. Um, So no, the sweet spot for these two reasons, the differential number one and number two, um, Toyota doesn't, if you look at the wheel well size, especially in the front where you've got, you know, the tire moving in all different directions up and down, Toyota doesn't really put enough space for big tires. And I should mention, uh, a lot of this is identical to the Forerunner. So, yeah. I mean, we're talking FJ, but it could, I mean, it's the right. same chassis, it's the same right. power plant, it's the tra- right. same transmission, same suspension. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just a different top on it. Yeah, and, yeah. and you have the same limitations. You yeah. have the same body mount problem in the rear. Um, what I was looking at on your Tundra before where the sway bar arm comes out and then kind of curves back in. And if you go another two inches bigger on the tires on the Tundra, it's going to have the same problem. You're going to rub, yeah. yeah I, f- I feel like it's it's a design thing from Toyota's perspective. And it's and, and it's actually something I raised. Uh, 2019, I had, uh, when I was at FJ Summit, uh, I had a couple of Toyota engineers in my truck, and they were asking about questions about the fifth gen as they were working on the sixth gen. And one of the one of the issues I raised was that, you know, the size of the wheel wells. But the other issue I raised was the spare tire is under the back deck on this thing. And if you go bigger than the 32-inch spare tire, there's a decent chance that your spare won't fit. Yeah. Then you so, got to put it on the roof, and then you got to... Right. Put it on the roof, or you can changing get... Changing your breakover. Not your breakover, your center of gravity, and yeah. it's just creating all kinds of havoc. Yeah. I hate... I hate... You know, it looks cool, yeah. but I hate tires on roofs. Yeah. Well, there's there's aftermarket yeah. bumper options, too. But, I mean, the good... Um, there's a great company in Utah that makes bumpers, Expedition One, which is what the front bumper is on here, to get their dual swing-out rear bumper. And it's a quality... They make quality stuff. I love their products. Um, it's a it's a very expensive rear bumper to put the tire on the back. How like much that. are we talking? Um, I think it's the mid threes. Yeah, like, like high twos. By the time you powder coat yeah. it, and you add and you yeah. add options and mounting stuff and all that stuff. Um, it's not it, it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, it's worth it if you wanted you know if you wanted to go six inch lift and thirty fives on a Forerunner. That's kind of kind of the things that you have to do to do that. But that's that's why I say the sweet spot with 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 the FJ and the Forerunner platform. Three inch lift, thirty three inch tires. What size wheels? Seventeens. Um, Seventeens. Uh, so you can seventeens on the Forerunner. You can do sixteens on the FJ. Uh, you can't do sixteens on the Forerunner because the front brake calipers are too big. So um, the sixteens won't fit. But yep. the sixteens will fit on the FJ. Uh, the nice part is the smaller the wheels you go, the more tire you get, more sidewall you get, so you can air down. You get a cushier ride. Right. Right. Um, okay. So uh, obviously uh, you can. There's all kinds of aftermarket support. So front yep. bumpers. Winch ready bumpers. I noticed you've got a winch on yours. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the rear bumper. Uh, same thing with like uh, rock rails mm-hmm. uh, that I've got on there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed uh, those are pretty cool. They're pretty wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what kind of tire do you prefer? People love having this tire argument. What's your oh. What's your kind of go to tire? Um. I, so the the fun part about uh, tires a never ending debate as I'm, as, I'm, I know. as I'm sure you know. Um, my tire of preference is the Goodyear Wrangler Duratrac. Okay. Um, if you go to if you go to your average off roading event, you look at the you look at the tires that everybody has. Um, I, and and again, I'm coming at this from having having been doing this now for about 11 years. The the thing about the Duratrac, and it's it's not unique to the Duratrac. There's a lot of tire companies that have copied this thing before, and you can see the treads a little bit here. The innovation of the Duratrac and any tire that's similar to it is it's a hybrid tread. So it's got a mud tread on the outside and an all-terrain tread on the inside. And when you get these like solid mud tires, right? You know, you know the types, right? Yeah. You drive them around mud terrains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You drive them around the road. They wear out because they're on they're on the road. Um, they wear out and they wear out kind of kind of evenly. Um, but you know the, the the big knobbies. It's just a whole bunch of big knobbies. With this, you've got the all-terrain tread in the middle that handles the road wear a little better. But if you had all terrain across the whole thing, if you remember the old BFG AT, the KO1s, right? Right. Those tires were notorious for if you get them in mud or you get them in snow, 
they didn't have the gaps between the treads so that when you would get when you would get in stuff that would stick in the tire it wouldn't self clear it would, yeah it wouldn't yeah. self clean yeah. yeah so that's one of the things that this tire is kind of a compromise between all terrain and mud where it's got some gaps on the outsides where it'll self-clean. So, any, so anybody following you will love you when you get off the trail and you've been in a muddy trail. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to just shower them with, uh, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. rocks and mud and yeah. dirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, dirt tracks were kind of the first hybrid tread to do that. Um, what you see now is there's several manufacturers. Nitto makes one. Cooper makes one. There's several companies that make a similar type of tread tire where a mud, t- mud tread on the outside. But I also find that they're not too loud, right? The other problem with mud terrains is they're pretty loud when they're right. on, on the highway. You can hear those bad boys. Right, right. Yeah, they, these are these are louder than average, but you're right. Yeah, they're not yeah. as loud as a dedicated mud. I had Before I had these on my FJ, I had Nitto trail grapplers, which were the Nitto mud tire. Okay. And those were loud. What? and. Go ahead. Uh, and and the, wor- the worst thing about the muds, especially, so if you notice the rocks here, I mean, we're not, this isn't Moab. These aren't smooth rocks, right? These rocks are kind of jagged. They tear these tires up. And if and if we zoomed in on this photo and looked at my tire tread, oh, there, every edge on every one of those treads you can see is, been, is rounded been. off and torn up because of the rocks, yeah. And what uh, protection comes on a standard FJ? Do you get, what kind of skid plates do you get? Uh, so the factory skid plates are, I want to say they're a 16th inch aluminum. Yeah. They, um, the way I typically. Pretty useless. Pretty useless. Yeah. It's it's basically you're following behind another car and the car kicked up a rock and you don't want that rock to go through your oil pan. Um, the, the way I usually explain it is they are not designed to hold the weight of the truck. Yeah. Um, the skid plates I've got on here and you can't really see them. Um, there's plenty of companies that plenty of companies that make skid plates. Um, if you're a Colorado, if you're in Colorado listening to this, there's a great company called RCI that's up in Loveland. Um, you can drive there. You don't have to ship. Um, as you can imagine, 200 pounds of skid plates is expensive to ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're they're one of our club's local sponsors, but they also make a great product and, and they're local, so you can go pick them up. Um, but the the main choice with the armor, so the sorry, the factory armor. 16th of an inch aluminum. Hit it with a hammer; it'll dent. It's cosmetic. You know, it's it's cos- it's largely just like yeah. a, rock, a a small rock getting kicked up and yeah. not hitting your oil pan. Um, when you get to the point with off roading where you're starting to hit, you can't rely on those things. If you drop your truck on a rock, and you will, and you will, the rock's going to go right through it, and then whatever's whatever it's pr- protecting. I'm always like, when I did that, you know, we just did a video where we took the uh, Bronco uh-huh. <laughs> in the snow, and I end up actually high centering it on a rock. I uh-huh. didn't know there was a rock. Yeah, and then. The, the first thing I always do is, anything pouring out of it? Okay, good. Nothing's right. pouring out. We're good. As long as there's nothing pouring out of it, I'm right. like, okay. Right. <laughs> anything else I can live with. Right. Um, so one one interesting difference between the Forerunner and the FJ, so speaking of armor, um, so the, the armor choices are basically aluminum and steel. Yeah. Um, the aluminum is nice because you, you you don't have to worry about it rusting. The steel, you do have to worry about rusting. So and I it's usually, heavier. It's going to, you know, it's heavier. It, it's, it's heavier. Yeah, yeah. it's lighter. The, the steel is more durable, so the aluminum will bend... Um, we'll bend a little more yeah. and scratch a little more. Um, I usually get underneath my truck twice a year with Rust-Oleum just sh- sh- and, and spray all the... And going back to your lift, what lift mm-hmm. do you recommend? Who, who do you use? Um, mine, personally, so I have, an, I have an Old Man Emu. I was going to say Old Man Emu yeah. seems to be the go-to. Um, and they're, mine are the BP-51s, so they're off-road racing, remote reservoir suspension. Um, of So there's kind of, a, there's kind of two tiers, not really three tiers, but essentially there's two tiers of lifts. There is the remote reservoir off-road racing Fox Icon. Um, I'm forgetting one. Um, Old Man Emu. 
uh, King, sorry, Kings, who, King, who yeah, I was forgetting. Yeah. Uh, so at that tier, you're talking about suspensions that, and it depends on production numbers and all that stuff, but for the FJ or for the Forerunner, you're talking about suspensions that typically start at about $3,000. Um, the tier, the other tier, kind of the opposite end of that is just a coilover shock, um, you know, some, some use foam, some use, you know, uh, nitrogen, you know, that kind of stuff. You can get those as little as about eight or $900, like a base old man emu suspension for about 900. Typically when you go with a bumper and a winch, you want something that's, that's got, if you see the threads on the collar, they can be height adjustable. Um, depending on the order of operations of how you mod your truck, the worst way to do it is to lift your truck and then decide to put a bumper and winch on because you got the height right without the 200 pounds of bumper and winch on the front. And then you add that stuff on and now and the front messes, did this yeah, and then you have to, you know, mess with it like that. So, so that's really the, the function that the, the adjustable suspensions serve is that they allow you to, um, you know, you either level, do well, it. yeah, level it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah level it and yeah, adjust it. Yeah. 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 Um, what uh, would you say to somebody who's looking at, let's talk about prices. What would okay. you say to somebody who's looking at buying an FJ now? So I've been, I've been on Craigslist okay. and, you know, I, 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 if, if people go to like bring a trailer. I don't go to bring a trailer. No disrespect to bring a trailer. But the prices are always like, I would say at least 10%, if not more above market. Right. right? Whereas Craigslist, I think, is a realistic yeah. of where the market is. And I've seen... Uh, FJs as low as ten thousand dollars with three hundred thousand mi miles, miles yeah. on them, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know it goes up from there. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is there a sweet spot for somebody who wants an FJ but who doesn't want to spend you know new car pricing for one? Is it still possible to get one that's at a used car price? Um, I. If you look aggressively, yeah. you can get one under 20000 And don't look in Colorado because um, there's a premium right, here. Right, right. Yeah, there's a premium here like we talked about in the previous video. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the Gulf states, anywhere where it doesn't rust, where 4x4 is unnecessary, that's that's kind of where you want to look. Hey, I forgot to ask you. Did yeah. they make them in two-wheel? I think they made them in two-wheel drive, too. They, they were two-wheel drive, right? They I've did. seen some in California. Yeah. So the, the joke... Those are cheap. <laughs> those are cheap. The joke with the California... Or, sorry, not the California trucks. Right. The joke with the two-wheel drive trucks is that... These vendors, right? These companies that make off-road parts would go to the dealership. Give me the cheapest FJ you can give me, right? Yeah. Okay, here's a two-wheel drive that we can't sell anyway. They give them that. They throw thirty grand worth of mods on this thing. Oh God! And then it looks like the biggest, most awesome FJ you've ever seen in your life. And then when you find out, you go look for the transfer case lever, and it's not there. And you're like, uh -oh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna buy that off-road, and then oh, uh -oh. I can't off-road that. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the joke. Just kind of a stereotype of, of kind of what I saw with the two-wheel drives, but. We do occasionally. So don't get, don't get fooled. Yes, <laughs> don't, sure, get, don't get fooled. Make yeah. sure it's four-wheel drive. Definitely look for the transfer case lever. And I think I said this when we did your FJ video initially was, you know, we occasionally get on the forums, we'll get a question of, you know, I bought a two-wheel drive FJ. Now I want a four-wheel drive FJ. Can I upgrade my FJ? Oh, God, it's no. like, yeah, no, you're no. never. Right. Go trade it in. It'll cost you more to do that than to find a four-wheel drive. Yeah, and it'll, it'll break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's say you can get one for what you say. So, so the, 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 yeah. thing I, the thing I would suggest, and this goes back to, so I'm, I'm um, as we talked about in the previous video, I'm the author of the buy-sell guide on FJ, on FJ Cruiser Forums. Um, so two points I'll make, and we'll get to the GX in a minute. Okay. Because the GX messes all this up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> There's a $10,000 decision that you that you make basically when you're looking at an FJ. And it was $10,000 six years ago when I wrote the article, and who knows what the number is today. And it's basically this. You either get a high miles early truck, so seven to nine, right? In 2010, they upgraded the motors on these things. They had a little bit of horsepower. They changed some of the emission stuff. 
Um, so did you look at the frame too? I thought there was some. No, the frame. They, no, they, they beefed something up in the in the, the, the drivetrain. Oh, it it had um, it yeah. was the rear uh, it was the rear differential went from eight to eight point two inches. That's right. Yeah, they, right. they beefed up the rear. Right. Uh, and then there was a thing with what they call fender bulging on the forums, where when it flexes, it it would bulge the inside. But they they fixed that I think in the in the 09 to, to 2010 renovation. But basically, what I, the thing I suggest is if if you're on a budget and you I want the best FJ I can get, and I want I don't want to spend more than twenty thousand. The truck you're looking for is an 08 or an 09, but most likely an 08 because they get cheaper the older they get, is an 08. The, reason you, the reasons you don't want an 07, there's a lot of 07s out there. There I've, are a lot of them. The first a, year, there's they, a they, lot. they sold a lot. Yeah, and I have, I have friends who off-road a lot with 07s. And one of the issues with the early 07s, they had some problem with the metallurgy and the rear differentials where they, they go through differentials. Mm. Um, so I, I have one friend who... Which is um, fine unless you're on the trail. Yes. Yeah, ex- exactly. In which case, yeah, disconnect the, you're driving out there. You fr- could probably drive it in four-wheel uh, drive back to the uh, yeah. back to the repair well, shop, yeah. but yeah. you're not going to do that on the trail. Right, right. Um, so, no, I, I, I recommend 2008. Yeah. Search nationally. Um and you know whatever you can, you you probably won't find one local. That's that's just kind of how hard they are to find these days. But but that's if you want to try to get an FJ under twenty thousand dollars. All right, I'm gonna look. Okay. While we talk, I'm gonna look. See okay. if there's any. I bet you there'll be some in Colorado. Okay. Um, uh, that's a that's a uh, that's a stretch. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so so basically that ten that ten thousand dollar decision is you want a 2008, 150, 175,000 miles. You should be able to find one of those under twenty. You should be able to find one that doesn't have that wasn't in a salt state, doesn't have rust. You know, look in Florida, look in Texas. You know, places places like that. Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> look in those places that don't have a history of rust and and just search nationally. Um, plane tickets are cheap. You know, gas is relatively cheap compared to you know what you'll what you'll save versus trying to wait or find one locally. The ten thousand dollar decision, and this comes directly from the buy sell guide, is basically an 08 with 175,000 miles for 17 grand versus a 2010 and up with all the improvements, you know, the, the best version of the FJ they ever made. All the improvements with 100,000 miles for 27 grand. All right, so I'm I've got um, I'm on Craigslist. Okay. Uh, and I've got uh, basically every 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 one that's owner for sale by owner okay. from like Colorado Springs up to Greeley, so the entire Front Range. That's okay. my that's my. So I've, there's a bunch here. Okay. So there are choices, N- not a lot. So there's a 2010 FJ uh, for sale, put up three hours ago. Okay, it looks a little rug. It looks a little it's, rough. The paint's a little rough. Yeah, the paint is definitely faded. Yeah, it's got 178,000 miles. Okay, uh, and no accidents. Clean Colorado title. They say 25,600, and the paint is really faded. I mean, Me- excellent mechanical condition, I mean, yeah. new windshield, but uh, it it looks pretty rough, dude. I mean, people can ask crazy prices. You know, how long it'll be there? Who knows? <laughs> you know, you yeah. know that was put up three hours ago. The interiors actually hold up really well. Is it? Okay. Yeah, the interior is in good shape. And I'm looking here. Actually, look, it's got the locking rear diff. Yeah, there you go. So it's a it's a dark color. It was probably parked outside. It was sun faded, basically. It's, yeah. Oh, let's, let's talk about a track. When did a track come? Uh, so a track's been there the whole time. Okay. Um, so a track is basically, it uses the ABS sensors to detect wheel slip. Yep. Um, it's the same thing if you're an older off-roader, um, which I am not, but I've learned this kind of in person. It's the same thing as left foot braking, basically. So you, you put a little bit of pressure on the brakes, you have a little bit, you know, a little bit of pressure on the gas, and then the tire that's slipping gets braked. Now in the, I think the hundred series was the first 
Toyota, 100 Series Land Cruiser was the first Toyota to have this. They went from a single channel ABS. So basically all the tires are on, all the wheels are on the same channel. And if you had any slip, it would pump them all. They went to a four channel ABS. So each wheel is monitored independently for slip. And when you're, you know, if you're in like a panic braking and bad weather, you know, water, you know, uh, rain or snow or whatever, and you slam on the brakes, if one of your tires is slipping, the four channel only only pumps, you know, we've all heard the sound of, you know, um, it only breaks that corner that's slipping. A-Track takes the same thing and applies it to when you're on the gas instead of the brake. So when you, and you know, you see this when you're off-road, you get in a tilty situation or something, you get a tire that's off the, that's off the ground, usually one of the, front, one of the front two wheels that's off the ground. You raise that up, rather than do the standard open differential thing where all the power goes there to just spin, spin, spins, you'll hear the brake pump on that corner and it puts that energy back into the rest of the system. Just stay steady on the throttle. And for our terrain here, for rocks and you know things that are rough like this, usually you stay on the throttle enough and it'll go. Um, so to your question about when it was added, it actually, it was in the 2007 trucks, but they didn't include the button. Oh. So the trick, they call it the A-Track hack for the early trucks is, Get on the internet, go to Amazon, buy an A-Track button from Toyota, and put it in your dash. There's a there's a plug in the back. And, and there's a hole, right? Yeah, yeah. And plug it in, put it in one of the holes, plug it in, and now you and now you've got A-Track. It's been standard. It's had a button 2008 and beyond. All right, I'm gonna say this is a scam. Okay. All right. Um, so it's a 2012 okay. with 30. Looks like four thousand miles. Is that a red trail team? It looks like a red trail team. Okay. Sixteen thousand. I'm, I'm going to go with. Yeah, take a look. I think that's a scam. Yeah. Yeah. Bec- yeah. And, and and the reason I'm guessing it's a scam because a it's too cheap. Right. Thirty four thousand miles, sixteen thousand seems right. too cheap. Right. And b on Craigslist, I always look for the license plate, and if you mm-hmm. don't see the license plate, it's always a red it's flag. Out of state. Yeah, or, you know, because th- then you're like, where, do, where was this picture taken? And what right. scammers do is they just they steal a truck that's actually for sale, and then they just create a fake Craigslist ad. So, right. so I, I doubt that right. one's a real Too one. Too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now here's one that I think is true. Okay. It's a 2011 uh, FJ with, uh, uh, let's see how many miles. Uh, where are the miles here? Oh, God, this guy. This guy's, this guy's an FJ dude. 63,000. This might be right. Sounds like your truck. You sure that's not your truck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let's see if I can see a plate. I don't okay. see a plate, but the plates are kind of hidden. Yeah, I see a plate. Okay. Out of state, which is always trouble. Yeah. So he's asking $32,000. For the mileage, that's yeah. not a bad deal. If it's real. Yeah, if it's real. Iceberg yeah. White. This is always a little scary. Okay. Uh, please read the entire listing. and That's the entire listing. Oh my God! <laughs> I know. Is it, is it mods or what? Uh, uh, it's all kind of WeatherTech floor mats. Uh, two owners, zero accidents. Second buyer took ownership of thirty. I mean, this this guy knows his knows his FJ. Yeah. And it's it's not. Look at that. Uh, where is this? I don't think this is even. Yeah, it's in Denver. It's in it's in uh, hmm. it's in North Park Hill. I think that might be real. What do you think? Could be. Yeah. Could, it's not. It's not way way too good of a deal that's that's a pretty decent deal for the miles so now we have a 2010 yellow mm-hmm. uh 10 days ago six cylinder seventy four thousand miles that's a lot of clean ones here mm-hmm. Twenty nine thousand nine hundred. Hmm. 10 days seems like a long time for a decently priced fj to be for sale in denver yeah it does doesn't it yeah yeah uh so maybe prices are coming down or maybe we're just you, you never know right you'd have to call on these uh, things it's, i mean it's it's 
reason, reasonable. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you search nationally for that truck, and that's he's he's hiding the the plate with his finger. I love when people do that, right? When they put their finger up on the to hide, right. as if as if somebody walking down the street can't see your plate, right? Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. I I this picture is probably the most famous picture of my Forerunner, and it's all over the place. And I actually this is one of the backgrounds on my LinkedIn. What do you think of those uh, uh, lights those and the bumpers? Are, I I want to say those are Japanese market. I don't know if they were a mod for the Japanese market yeah. or if they were original Japanese equipment like the fog lights like like the fog lights for Japanese FJs. I mean, you can buy those parts and and bring them over here. Um, the other thing that the Japanese FJs do, if you've seen on Japanese market on JDM cars, they have that little mirror up on the front corner where you can see kind of in front right, right, kind of right. in front of the vehicle, yeah. Um, so that's a I don't know, kind of a fun JDM mod some people. I think do. it's real. I think this is real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, in, coincidentally, the last year, so so Jeep guys often call FJs M&Ms. Okay. Because they're these bright, colorful, you know, blue and yellow and all that's and red. And, you know, and the yellow was one of the M&M colors from the early days. 2010 is actually the last year of Sun Fusion, so that's called Sun Fusion. Um, 2010 is the last year of that. So, it's always deceptive because if you, the sales numbers for 2010 were, you know, pretty low, 13,000, 14,000 trucks. So most of the time, the vast majority of time, when you see a yellow truck, it's an 07 or an 08. All right, here's so, the last one okay. uh, for sale. It's a 2007 four-wheel okay. drive, okay. 163,000 miles, 17,999. There you go. Any uh, mods? Uh, no, it looks okay. like it, he's got a rooftop, or she's got a rooftop tent on it. Hard okay. to say. Here, take a look. You can see pretty, what you, pretty stock, pretty, pretty stock. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, that's definitely a rooftop tent. It's got a sunroof, too. That's aftermarket. That's um, always trouble. A sunroof is always trouble because yeah. aftermarket ones will always leak. Yeah. Give it enough time, it'll leak. Yeah. It appears to be a pretty pretty decent looking truck. It's got a CB in it. Um, so do you miss yours? Um, Are you going to buy another I, one? I, no. I, no? <laughs> I, I, I miss the color. Um, and I think, I think we talked about this the last, in the last video. My wife picked this color. Um, and I have nothing against the red. The red's perfectly fine. I like the green just because it, I mean, that red clashes with the background, right? Yeah. And, I, and I prefer something that's a little more camouflage. Um, but I, I, have a fun, I have a funny story about that, actually. Um, I, had, I had some Toyota, um, a guy who worked at corporate in Plano, yeah. and his girlfriend, and they were there in another red truck, like another red foreigner like ours. And I actually, before we bought this truck, they were um, at the Detroit Auto Show. They were going to announce the next year's TRD Pro color, and it was in January of this would have been January of eighteen. They were going to announce the color at the TRD at the Detroit Auto Show, and they had used for the TRD Pros. They had used every other Trail Team's color from an FJ, but green. Oh, and I'm like, it's definitely going to be green this yeah. year, right? So, <clears throat> so. Uh, I wake, I wake up that morning and I had 14 texts on my phone, you know, hey bro, it's, you know, I think it was, uh, it was Voodoo Blue or Heritage Blue. It was one of the blues. Oh, I love Voodoo Blue. It was one of the blues, oh, yeah. Um, and, and I was like, well, that's it. I'm not getting my green Forerunner because we had made a decision we were going to go ahead and do the Forerunner, but we had waited, we were waiting to see about the green. So <clears throat> we go to the event and that was for the 2019 truck. This is a 2018 Forerunner. Um, we go to, go to Summit. There's a guy in my group who has a red, fairly bone stock, and his uh, girlfriend, wife, I forget, she was asking all these questions about, 
you know, this mod and that mod. And, you know, when you work for the, when you work for the manufacturer, most of their vehicles are kind of leases, right? Yeah. So they're like, you don't want to modify the lease too much. Um, so I let this, I let this lady drive my truck from, uh, if anybody knows the trails in Ure really well, it's the bathroom stop kind of at the top of Mineral Creek between there and Animus Forks, that mine, that ghost town there. I let her drive my truck for that stretch. And, you know, she loved it. It was built in its current, what you see in its current state and had a great time and all that stuff. And, and uh, so I was talking to, uh, talking to the guy and I told him the whole story about, you know, yeah, man, Detroit Auto Show. I thought it was going to be green this year. And, you know, and we waited and da-da-da, and he got this look on his face like, like he knew something. Okay. And, and I, I, I saw the look on his face. I'm like, what? And he goes, it's going to be green next year, um, which was the 2020. Yeah. And when he told me that, I was just like, oh, man. <laughs> So then, of course, I jokingly asked my wife, hey, can I do all this again, yeah. but on a 2020? No. So, yeah. All right. All right. We promised to talk about Forerunners, so let's switch gears okay. uh, on Forerunners in case you guys are more into Forerunners because, obviously, they're still for sale. There's a lot. And let's start with the fact that there are different trim levels on Forerunners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, different no, you know, different fascias on them, right? So there's the kind of the on-roady one, mm-hmm. the limited, right? Um, then there, when you go off-road, there's a TRD off-road, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course there's a Top Dog TRD Pro. Right. Um, so which of those, you know, if you want the sweet spot, which mm-hmm. which of those is it? If you're, if uh, you're and, and the SR5, so SR5 yeah, yeah. Limited, off-road. Pro, am I missing any? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's um, how it goes. There's a there was a trail series last year. It was kind of unique. It came with a came with a special like um, cooler. Mm-hmm. It was like a, it was like a, a Pelican cooler. Or a, a, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the back, yeah. And it said Forerunner across yeah, the top. Yeah. Um, I will admit to spending a non-trivial amount of time on eBay trying to find one of those. By the way, um, but I haven't I haven't bought one yet. But um, no, I, if if you're gonna buy it to off road like I did, yeah. right. Um, to buy the TRD Pro and then mod it doesn't make financial sense. I agree. Unless you're buying the TRD Pro for the color. So the TRD Pro usually has a unique color. Voodoo blue? Voodoo blue I or the Army green or whatever. Now, typically, once they do the TRD Pro in a color, then the next year they, they put that color in the rotation. Into the regular. But it's, so you but can it's get not it. a Pro. Yeah. 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 Um, no, the, the, the sweet spot for these, if you're going to off-road them, is the TRD off-road. Uh, mechanically, it's everything about the Pro. Doesn't come with it. Doesn't come with a lift, wheels, tires. You know, I mean, it comes with the stock versions of those, right? right? Um, and I'll, I'll actually, it was the day that that first day that we met when we, when we ran imaging. There was um, one of the Toyota marketing folks was there, and um, she was looking at my truck and came over and asked me, "Why didn't you buy a TRD Pro?" So I rattled off for her. You know, the suspension on this truck was twenty five hundred. The armor was another fifteen hundred. The bumper was fifteen hundred. The winch was five hundred. So I just rattled off this list for her. And we paid, and again, this is three years ago, four years ago, before the craziness. We paid thirty-seven before tax, title, and license for this thing. I put eleven in mods into it, so I'm forty-eight into this thing, not including tax, title, and license. You try to buy our TRD Pro anything in this state, and it's retail, please, you know. So I basically was into this the same amount as what I would have bought a TRD Pro Forerunner for. And it's a better truck. So I, I love the Forerunner. I always forget how good it is. It's one of those like you know, like like if you haven't seen a good friend of yours for a long time, yeah. and then you get together with them, and you're like, oh, I remember why you know yeah. I, we had so much fun, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel that way about the Forerunner. It's just a really, um, it does everything well except for fuel economy once right. again. Right. And oh, and and, and uh, it's funny because. I actually like the older four liter and the foreigner much more than I like the three point five liter in the Tacoma. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think the four liter, even though it's thirstier, 
and, and paired to the ancient now five-speed five yeah. is actually much better than the new than the powertrain in the Tacoma, which is yeah. its Achilles heel. Yeah. Uh, so it just does everything well, right? I mean, it's a great off-roader. It's a great around town. It's a it's the right size. You can you know have it as your only car or you could have it as your second car, and if you want to mod the thing, it's just as, it's just one of those quiet cars that does everything well. Right. Uh, and I completely agree with you. Like I remember, and I haven't looked, I haven't priced them, but I remember here in Colorado, before all the craziness, before COVID, uh, TRD Pros were like fifty plus. 48, 49, 50, Yeah. Yeah, depending yeah. on you know, and yeah. then the dealer was upmarking them. Uh, yeah. For another 10k, and then our local dealer here, and I, I see, I've seen, and I don't know what's happening now, but they were building fake TRD Pros. I remember, oh, really? I, I remember huh. they've since been sold, but I remember yeah. going to the dealership on a Sunday when they're closed, and I was looking at the TRD, and I'm like, wait, 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 hold on, that, that looks wrong, right? And it had uh, like uh, the TRD Pro has the, the skip plate on the bottom, right, and it's mm-hmm. like stamped into it. This, yeah. yeah, this one just had it like 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 stitched on on, on the. And I'm like, wait, oh, I thought stamped into it. Oh, funny. And so they were recreating. They were doing fake. Yeah. And then the TRD Pro has the TRD Pro wheels, and this one had. They looked like TRD Pro wheels, but they're expensive, right? So yeah. they didn't have the real TRD Pro wheels. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. The off road is exactly the place you want to be. I think with. Yeah. So and and sharp people with very sharp eyes will, will notice the grill on the front of this is not the is not the TRD off road grill. This is the TRD Pro grill. Um, I think it's about $500 in parts to switch out the grill. Um, one of the things, so the, the the black bar across and then the, the largely spelled out Toyota there is kind of a kind of something that that you know they they do on the FJ as well. Um, and one of the trends on the FJs that people started doing a few years ago was they would paint the Toyota logo on the front the same color as their body color. So if you notice, it's painted red where it says Toyota on the front. Just a nice subtle, you know, it's gray normally. I like it, yeah. Just a nice subtle detail. Um, it's nice. But it's, yeah, it's classy. I, I, I will admit to having sat in front of a number of trucks with touch-up paint and just painting every painting every letter of, of Toyota. But fortunately, I got to do that before I put it on my truck. So now, now I think you know the issues with the Forerunner, of course, is that it's been around forever. And let's face it, you know, a new product is the lifeblood of any car company. Mm-hmm. And after a while, people just get bored of them, right? They're solid trucks. Uh, and there should be a new one coming like three years ago. Right. Well, <laughs> so inter- interestingly enough with these, so the first year of this, so this truck is basically, uh, there are very small changes, but it's essentially unchanged since 2010. There was a facelift, I think, in 2014. They added KDSS and a couple of other things. They added some of the Toyota Safety Sense stuff in 2020. But largely the truck is the truck is largely unchanged for that time period. If you look at the sales numbers, these were selling... 40, 50, and they're selling. They're still selling. Well, well, but but now, if you look at the trend, they went up year over year for like ten or eleven years. It's crazy. Yeah, to where and and you know you think of it from kind of Toyota's perspective, it's like why we we sold one hundred and forty thousand of these last year. We sold forty thousand of them the first year. Why should we change a thing? Well, I, I can answer you know? that because Jeep's selling two hundred fifty thousand Wranglers right. every year. So, right. so I mean, the, you know, lifting tide raises right. all. But if you had right. a new one, you might be selling like eighty thousand. Right. So right. I, that's that's a simple answer. Right. Uh, we haven't talked about, and I haven't actually mentioned this on purpose. Uh, engine modifications. And the mm-hmm. reason I haven't mentioned it is because, uh, I mean, what makes these trucks so magic is that they will go, you know, you saw it here in crisis, 300,000 miles, right? right? And the second you start messing with, you know, turbos, superchargers, you can do it, but right. but you're taking the longevity. You're taking the thing that makes it so magic, the, the, the DNA of Toyota, 
and I think you're wrecking it. And right. it doesn't need it, right? It, you're not going to like be rolling on 44s. You, like you said, the sweet spot is 33s, plenty of power on 33s. Right. And then the other thing that happens is once you start upgrading the engine, then you just start snapping things downstream, right? right. Th- then the diff starts to go, the, the drive shafts, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the linkages all start yeah. to just, it's not a good, I don't think it's a great idea. Yeah, I would say I, the interesting thing about living up here, and, and this was that same, you know, in 2019 when I had those engineers in my truck talking about the fifth gen, one of the things at this point that Tacoma had already come out, it had been out for a couple of years with the 3.5, and it was having all those like transmission shifting issues where they, you know, wasn't quite figuring out where to shift at. I, one of the points I made repeatedly to those guys was we were very worried that you're going to put the 3.5 in the next version of yeah. this. And the problem is, curb weight on these is about 400 pounds more than a Tacoma. So when you put the same motor in a Tacoma that's already underpowered, and then you put the same motor in this thing with 400, 400 more pounds, that's a problem. Now, for us up here, and you experience this, you know, with all the with all the vehicles you guys review, you know, we're at 6,000 elevation. So we're 20, 25% less horsepower up here, especially with natural, naturally aspirated, normally aspirated vehicles versus like down at sea level. To me, the 4Runner feels like a vehicle that's perfect at sea level. And then you get it up it gets, here. It's pokey. Yeah. And it's that, pokey. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah, pokey. It, yeah. It's pokey. And you got to get into the gas yeah. to get any. And it doesn't, that engine doesn't love to rev particularly. Right. Well, and it's a truck too. So it's, it's a not, truck, if yeah. it was a sports car, it'd be one thing. You rev yeah, it up. But yeah. um, that uh, I-70 going west out of Golden, that rise, you know, you hit that rise out of Golden and you're going up for the next 2,000 feet. That area there, it's it really strains these vehicles, engine and transmission, transmission temps. If you have any way to monitor transmission temps on these, that's something something where this and the FJ have a have a problem because they don't have a dedicated trans cooler, so it's cooled in the radiator, kind of the bottom of the radiator, like most manufacturers do these days. And the trans temps on these things, I've seen trans temps at 225, 230 degrees, just pushing, you know, having the truck at 71, 72 miles an hour. Yeah, I would say I would say they're not great tow rigs. No no, 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 no. You're right. There is a lack of power. But I, once yeah. again, I don't think slapping a turbocharger or supercharger is going to fix that. You can do it, but yeah. I think you're going to create more issues yeah. than you are going to solve so the, in the, the long run. Yeah. The, the 2007 to 2009 FJ had a factory supercharger. Yeah, I think, so I think those, Magnuson ultimately made Mag, it. Yeah, Magnuson made yeah, them, and so, so did the yeah. Tundra. Those are very sought after. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in 2010, when they, when they changed the engine, and I don't know the engine. And Tundra walked away from those. Right. They, well, they, they had, um, so at, at FJ Summit 2012, they had an FJS concept, mm-hmm. which was supercharged, and it was Magnuson and Toyota's working with them on all the ECU tuning. And then a couple of years later, they didn't really do anything with it. And at some point, Toyota said, we're done with this project. Magnuson, you can release this if you want to. So if you want the closest thing to a factory supercharger the for the 10 and yeah. up, yeah, it's the Magnuson, which is actually the same the same supercharger that goes on these. There are a couple of brands, URD, I think those brands And how much well. more horsepower does it give you? Um, I think it's 40, 30 to 40 horsepower, but it's it's a good bit of torque too. Yeah. But the nice part of it is, and that's, that's kind of on a dyno, but the, the nice part of it is too is that it fixes the lack of oxygen up here that, that right. you know that we don't that we don't normally have down. But yeah, we love no, turbos. I, I I agree with I agree with you though about kind of modifying the truck for this elevation. It, it, it you start to strain things that the truck wasn't designed to do, and these are these are very reliable vehicles precisely as they've been built. The more you modify it, the more you lift it, the more you do all these things to it, the less of a Toyota it is. So if you're buying a Toyota for reliability, and then you change a bunch of Toyota things to make them not Toyota. That's when you tend to get away from, you know, you start to have reliability issues with with those th- those parts in our Toyota. Now we just came to our studios with uh, the new Tundra yep. because we just towed uh, the the Black Series here. Mm-hmm. 
And um, uh, as you can, as you know, Toyota has gone to a twin turbo V6, yep. which puts out over 400 horsepower. Yep. Wouldn't that be fun to stuff in a Ford? <laughs> or you can go the other way. You could look at the uh, 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 RAV4 Prime, mm-hmm. where you have electrification, mm-hmm. uh, and you could, for the next one, actually, you know, get more power by having a pretty good sized battery. Right. Uh, and I'm hoping that either one of those two options will be there. I think, uh, I think because of the way the world is moving, uh, at some point Toyota is going to have to change that four liter. Uh, you know, it's it's probably yeah, it's, it's done. It's walking. De- it's yeah. a walking dead. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. When this truck is done, it's done. There's of course there's you know unlimited speculation about what it's what it's going to end up with. Um, if you look at looking at Toyota's lineup, they want to use that three five block and everything. So then it's a question of do you put a hybrid on it? Do you put turbos on it? Do you put both on it as with the new Tundra? Um, I, I with this truck. And if you look at rewind, rewind three years, and if you look at Toyota's product lineup, what you've got is vehicles that have the four liter six, Tacoma FJ Forerunner, vehicles that have the poor four point six liter V eight, so the low end Tundra and the Lexus GX, and then vehicles that have the five seven, so the Sequoia, uh, sorry, the Sequoia, the the two hundred series Land Cruiser, the Lexus LX, that was kind of three tiers of engine that allowed Toyota to kind of stratify and say, oh, you want a tow rig that can fit seven people? Buy the Sequoia, mm-hmm. right? You know, if you you can get a you can get a third row and a forerunner, it's a tight fit, but you can't tow with it, you know? So they kind of they kind of seems like they kind of design their products in a way where depending on what your requirement set is, well your vehicle your vehicle choice is obvious, right? It's not you don't have multiple choices. It's, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that one. Going to the three five block limits their options for kind of how many kind of how many different engine choices they can have. If I had to guess, the next version of the Forerunner will be a 3.5 hybrid. Yeah, um, it makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you. With a small battery, you know, because uh, yeah. I want to say the uh, TRD hybrid, and I forget now, but it's like it's like a 1.5 kilowatt hour battery, if I recall. You know, yeah. it's nothing like the Prime. You're not going to drive in all electric mode on it. It's basically gives you more torque and allows you to do things like run the air conditioning when the motor's not run- when yeah. the engine's not running. Yeah. I was surprised with, with the LX600, so the new F300 series Land Cruiser. I was surprised they didn't put the top-tier engine, the turbo hybrid, in that uh, because that would give them room to then just do the twin turbo in the GX um, and then have the hybrid version in the Forerunner below that. Um, I was really surprised that you can get a more powerful engine in a Tundra than you can get in a Lexus LX, considering the, the price difference. Yeah, I drove that not too long ago. I don't know if you saw that review, but mm-hmm. that is uh, that is the last... Toyota, I want to take off-road. You can, yeah, right, right. but you don't want to. Right, <laughs> right. Especially the new, right. like, ultimate trim, which is what they're calling it, right? right? Where it's like now they're competing with Range Rover and G-Wagon. Right. Right. Those people don't take their right. rigs off-road. My, my friend Dustin bought an LX570 that he, yeah. that he off-roads extensively. And, yeah, I mean, he bought it at 60,000 miles for, you know, a fraction of what it sold for new. So, and and that's, that's the funny thing about the Lexus, the Lexus off-roaders is that, you know, they sell new to somebody's wife or something. And then, you know, five or six years later, some overlander grabs it. I was going to show you this image I just got okay. uh, sent to me, except now I can't find it. Uh, God. But it was interesting because somebody sent us a spy photo of uh, – where is it here? Come on. Um, of uh, – what they think is a is a Land Cruiser in disguise, right? It's okay. covered testing in Michigan. 
Oh, I think I saw it. What, what was the state? It didn't have Michigan plates. It had another state's plates on it. No, right? this just came. This, there it, it had is. All the, it had all the spy camouflage stuff yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, of course, we know that the new 300 series Land Cruiser right. um, is for sale in other parts of the world. Not here, yeah. But not here. You know, we get the, the Lexus version of it only. Right. Um, but I got to tell you, dude, uh, right now, the Heritage Edition, the Land Cruiser, the 200 Series, those things are selling like 30 to 50 over sticker if you could find one used. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I keep saying that if, you know, Toyota does this stupid thing where, you know, you walk away from an iconic vehicle at your own risk. Mm-hmm. And I know they were only selling like 3,000 units a year, which isn't right. a lot. But right. it, it was and is the thing that holds Toyota's off-road DNA. Right. As much as I love, you know, the Tundra, as much as I love the 4Runner, sure. the RAV4, right. the FJ, it's right. really the Land Cruiser yeah. that, that holds the DNA. Like the Wrangler holds the DNA for the right. for the Jeep brand. Right. The Land, and when you cut that, you know, when you sever that umbilical cord. Right. Well, and that's the funny thing. when you And you travel a lot more than I do around the world. When you go around the world, people don't off-road Jeeps. Right. No, they, they do they Land Cruisers. Yeah, Land Cruisers. Or Hiluxes. Right, right. So And the Hilux, by the way, the yeah. Hilux, completely different from the Tacoma. Yeah. I actually was at the Geneva Auto Show, and they uh, unveiled the, the current generation of Hilux. This yeah. was like four years ago. Yeah. It's a much smaller vehicle. Really? Right, yeah. yeah. The Tacoma is, you know, the Tacoma, I think if, let, let me give you a good perspective on it. If you compare the current Tacoma to the current Hilux, it would uh-huh. be like comparing a midsize truck to a full-size truck. Really? That's okay. the difference. It's, it's just a much smaller, much tighter. It's a shame they don't sell that here. Yeah. You see with, that with the Maverick, right? The Ford Maverick is going that, crazy. I, yeah. You know, that was my first thought. Plus yeah. the Hilux name, because of Top Gear and because of, yeah. you know, has become this, this like forbidden fruit. Yeah. And they could slot it underneath. The other thing that I keep, I keep harping about is they should make a um, Lexus version of the Tundra. Yeah. Right. All those guys yeah. in Texas who walk into their, you know, with their wives, yeah. Alex, into the Lexus dealership and not be able to do it. They would do a double take, like, golly, what's that? Didn't, didn't Cadillac years ago, Cadillac oh, did, hell yeah. did a Cadillac yeah. version of the, of the yeah, Cadillac Avalanche. did the uh, XTC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Lincoln did the uh, Blackwood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Blackwood yeah, right. was two wheel drive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and the Cadillac was just kind of funky. Yeah. Right, it had that like 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 uh, avalanche. Uh, what, what do they call it? The third tailgate or whatever. The, you know, the, the firewall in the back that came down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think to, I think Lexus would sell the the pants off of the Lexus oh, sure. version of the Tundra. Sure. Um, I, I I've I've heard um, a very popular YouTuber. I won't mention my name. Um, you can mention it, uh, please. Okay, uh, Doug Demuro had a video when yes. they when they discontinued the Land Cruiser wear, and he's a he's a uh, not notorious Land Cruiser owner. He, but he's a serial Land Cruiser owner, and he had made the point about the Land Cruiser, which was you know the people who buy Land Cruisers are people who don't want the Lexus badge on purpose, and his understanding description of it made a lot of sense, right? You get you get executives who don't want to be seen as too kind of flashy. You know, you see a. I, Driving down the road at 60 miles an hour, there's a Sequoia coming at you, and there's a 200 series Land Cruiser coming at you. Except for very small minor details, the two vehicles kind of look the same, and you don't think, oh, there, especially with the later Heritage editions, you don't think, oh, there's 110 grand rolling down the road, right? right? So it's like the equivalent of jeans, right? Yeah, you know, like everybody yeah. wears jeans. And yeah, you could you could walk around in jeans and not be like, yeah. oh, you know, he's yeah. trying to put on airs. I, and this this may be wishful thinking. I have a theory, which is I think. Toyota is going to use the Land Cruiser model name in the U.S. to do the next off-roader. To, to have, you know, to have the Bronco come back and have just the, the Bronco go nuts, I think it makes sense for Toyota to do, and if it's not, you know, they talk about it being the next FJ and all that stuff, 
I, I think it'll be something comparable to the Forerunner in terms of price, but something that's more kind of purpose built. And and their whole thing's going to be we're going back to the '70s, right? When it was the FJ40 versus the Bronco versus you know the Wrangler, the CJ, whatever. You know, that I, I it makes so much sense to do that. Um, but they're such a cautious company yeah. that it's one of those things where and we did a video about my LC500. When Toyota does something exciting like that, it's so rare that you're like, well, I, I can't believe they did that. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the biggest innovation they brought to the table is, uh, you know, their Synergy Hybrid Drive, right? Right. But that's about it. Right. And that was 20, 20, 20 years, years ago. ago the yeah. Prius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I it might be wishful thinking on my part. Um, but I think it, it just it makes so much sense to your very early point in the, in the chat about, you know, they discontinued the FJ at the wrong, just the wrong, perfectly wrong time. It makes so much sense for them to bring back something. So well, then, you, well, you saw that, right? Mm-hmm. You saw like a month ago or two months ago, they had like their uh, Akimo unveiled their entire future lineup, right? Of, and one of them was like a smaller it, version of the FJ, and it was yeah. all electric. Yeah, and it, and 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 I I'm so glad because I saw it. You see a picture of that on its own, and you think, "Wow, that looks like a lot like an FJ." They're bringing the FJ back as an electric. And then there was another photo where it was parked next to what is obviously a Tacoma or a Hilux with, you know, with all the electrification stuff. And this is a, the FJ was a noticeably smaller vehicle. And that's when I saw that, I immediately dismissed because you saw that you saw the articles in the It was like Jimny size. We don't get the Jimny. Right. Yeah, it was like that size. Jeep Liberty or, you know, whatever, you know, and it's like, oh, that's a body on frame CVT, doesn't have a transfer case, like soft rotor, you know, for for hip young people to drive to the mall. Yeah, yeah, so they look cool. You know, yeah, yeah. But there's, but, but, if if I had not seen the two photos of them next to each other showing the scale difference, I wouldn't have known that. But, you know, just on its own, it's like, whoa, look at that. It's another FJ. But then you see it next to the truck and it's like, oh, that's. That's not a vehicle to take seriously for the for the off-road market anyway. So. Yeah, and you know we've got hopefully hopefully uh, a bunch of truck off-roaders coming this year. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got the Hummer EV, we've got the Rivian, which we've tested. Uh, we've got the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, we'll have the Silverado EV, and I think. Uh, you know, electrification and off-roading make a lot of sense. You know, Jeep's got the 4 by e Now they're going to do the uh, Grand Cherokee 4 by e And it's really nice to be out there with instant torque uh, and no engine noise, right? Just really enjoying, like, the, 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 the brook that's running next door to the trail or the birds, right? Because, obviously, a lot of people have now equated off-roading with big V8s, which is also fun. Uh, you know, right. both are good. Right. But it'll be nice to ha- kind of have the flip side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I've been interested to see. Uh, so the Rivian famously, and, and I, I have a, a good friend of mine who's a big Rivian fan, so that's how I know most of what I know about the Rivian, and then watching you guys and, as and well. Let, let me just, uh-huh. uh, uh, full disclosure, you just sold your uh, Tesla Model Y. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I sold it uh, Sold it last year, probably probably three, four months ago. Yeah. So, so, you, you know, yeah. you're very familiar with... Yeah, you know. yeah. And, and I, from a... From a A to B, I got to drive around town as a daily driver. I love electrics, right? Yep. I love how cheap they are to run. You know, mine, the Teslas are your obviously... Ha- your more, house is a gas station. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the if you daily drive one of these things, you know, it, it becomes strange anytime you go to the gas station after that. But mine, you know, the Teslas are obviously performance-oriented. And even still, I was getting... I, I, did a, I did the math one time, and I was like, okay, what does gas cost me? What does electricity cost me? What's the rough equivalent? And if gas was $2.50 a gallon, I was getting the equivalent of 85 miles to the gallon in my Tesla. So it was a fantastically efficient vehicle to, to be a driver. And I, and I love it for that. Um, 
I'm actually when I when I sold the Model Y, I just sold it just to kind of cash in on all the craziness right now. But um, but I sold As it. As would. <laughs> As yeah. one would. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I but I sold it also too, thinking if I if I get to the point where I need another daily driver, because so many of us are working from home now, if I get to the point where I need another daily driver, um, then I I would look at the new BZ4X from Toyota, which um, seems like a more efficiency-minded electric rather than a performance-minded electric. Um, the um, the amount of full throttle acceleration that my wife did in my Tesla was uh, surprising. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she she would tell me stories about you know taking it to you know taking it to work or taking it to base and you know and then driving it around and getting some of her you know junior enlisted in the back and just like are right, you guys you guys ready? Whoa, you know. And and I didn't. That's a trick I, that never gets old. Yeah, it, it never gets old because it's because it's so unique to the electrics versus the gas vehicles. Right. But um, but no, I, I if I were to get an electric. My most likely next electric would be the BC4X. Yeah, just as a good daily bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I hope that um, you know now that we have a bunch of electric trucks coming at some mm-hmm. point, uh, somebody's going to start actually you know not just off-roading trucks but mm-hmm. off-roading cars as well. Uh, and so obviously Rivian will probably be first because they've mm-hmm. got the SUV that's coming. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think we're you know. There's that Chinese saying, right? May you live in interesting times. Yeah, and yeah. We are living in interesting times. Yeah. The thing for me, from an off-road perspective, from the Rivian, that's that's super interesting. You know, most of what defines kind of the differences between off-roaders is the traction tech, right? Lockers, or you know, in the Jeep, it's the the Jeep version of a track, and the Toyota is called BLD, brake lock differential, right? And and when you go to a vehicle that, like the Rivian, is four independent motors. There's no more locking differentials. There's no. no more traction. I mean, there's traction control from a slip perspective, but there's no more like mechanical limitations of like what this thing can do off road. There is a part of me that is a little sad mm-hmm. because there's with air suspension. There's also no more modding. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean. I yeah. mean, it's kind of like, like you know, these are like giant tinker toys, and you can you can do what you want with them, make them your own. Like think of it as a Harley off road, right? Right. Uh, I think with the electric vehicles. I was just listening to actually another podcast, uh, Inside EVs, uh, and they were talking about this German company that uh, modifies Teslas, but Mm -hmm. all they do are like stuff that I I wouldn't, like you can put a center screen on it, or you can take that silly uh, yoke from the Model S and put it, you know, this is like, you know, you know what I mean? That doesn't, it's all like cosmetic. None of it is functional. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that is, is because of the integration, these are those are so much more tightly integrated yeah. vehicles than than these are. You know, some of that might be too from the fact that you know, uh, Ford, Chevy aside, right? You know, the folks making those vehicles. You look at Tesla and you look at like Rivian. These are not large car, car companies that make a lot of different vehicles that share parts across a lot of different vehicles. Where you know the 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 same suspension parts that'll fit on a Ford or will fit on a Lexus GX. You know. So, you know, once once the aftermarket gets there, I have a friend who actually, his wife did not like the stock suspension on her Model Y. So um, I've done a suspension change, performance suspension change on a, on a Model Y, not performance, to make it more soft. But but um, but it was, you know, the, the suspension... Uh, the suspension on the Model Y is horrible. I'm sorry. It's you had not, a performance. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was horrible. Yeah. I thought it, in, in a straight line, it was fine around a corner. Anyway, we've gone far afield from Toyota. Sure, sure, sure. Wouldn't that be cool if actually... Uh, uh, 
a company could make like the cool thing about electric vehicles is they're just a rolling chassis, right? It's just a chassis with a battery and then right. skateboard, skateboard. Right? They usually call it, Wouldn't yeah. that be cool if yeah. you could actually do that and then make the parts so you can integrate them or exchange them or swap them? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Kind of like a smart car tried, you know what yeah. I mean? So you could actually yeah. like take that skateboard and make it into an off roader. Yeah, and you do you do see those modded vehicles where it's like you know here's a here's a Corvette that's got a Tesla powertrain in it, right. and th- you know things like that. But yeah, yeah the, the amount of integration that it takes to get that to work, I, I can't even imagine. Well, James, thank you very much for taking the time. Sure. Uh, it was a fun conversation. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with RFJ. You know, we don't collect cars. We buy them so that we can feature them in videos. And we've recently featured that again. But I think uh, it's time for that guy to go. So yeah. I think, you know, if you're interested in RFJ, uh, let me know. Because I think we're going to be uh, we're going to be probably selling it. Uh, like I said, we don't collect cars. I'm going to miss it. My biggest fear is selling it and not being able to replace it. Right? That's one that's going to be hard to replace. Right. But having said that, once again, you know, we're a review company. We're not a... We're yeah. not we're not Jay Leno's garage. Yeah, and 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 interestingly, I, I had to make a I had to make a modification to the buy sell guide in the last few years, where um, in the last eighteen months or so, where the first thing, if you're a potential buyer of an FJ, the first thing I had the first section three A of the buy sell guide is you should probably be looking at a Lexus GX instead, and that's something to consider for you guys. I mean, that's the GX is a vehicle that was sixty grand brand new. I know they're they're just uh, right now the bee's knees when it comes to overlanding. Yeah, tons of payload, yeah. affordable, you yeah. know, uh, and uh, the Land Cruisers, are, you know, old Land Cruisers, 100 series or even you know the 80s. Those are just all like through the roof. Yeah, you know, especially the ones you want with the lockers like, through the roof. But the, the the you know the GX is still affordable yeah. if if changing quickly. Something to think about for you guys. You could straight trade that if you want. Yes, we could. <laughs> yes, I could take it to the Lexus dealer. <laughs> right. Give us, I think a new one I think right. a new one is like what? They're like sixty. They're like sixty, yeah. yeah. So, something used with something used with a you yeah, know, a couple of years old. Yeah. Yeah. Miles. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to take a new one yeah, off anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's my eight year old FJ. <laughs> trade me this thing for that twenty seventeen and yeah, the dealer's gonna look at that and go, Yeah, but no, in the in the world though, in the real world you could do that. So. Yeah. All right. Well thanks James really appreciate it. Guys thank Thank you for watching. Remember, if you want to check out TFL content, it's all in one place, tfl-studios.com, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ron. Ciao. Good to chat. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.